There's far, there's going too far, then there's us, a tad too far, where we take ideas far, then bring them back here for you. I'm Athena, here with Taj. Hey! And Diedrich. So, and basically what we're doing is, we take a lot of stuff that comes to the back of our heads, we bring it to the forefront of our heads with everything that we like talking about, <laughs> and we mash them up together and see how crazy the idea can be without getting kicked off the air. So, Tom, where can you find us? Well, you can find this on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and on our website, tadtofar.com. T A D C O F A R.com. Please subscribe and listen to all past and future episodes. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Edge Case Podcast may contain graphic depictions of violence, explicit language, and other content that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. At the fringes of perception, beyond the boundaries of your mind, just past the glow of the firelight, out of the corner of your eyes, you will find an edge case. with the Crimson Rose by Kai Rogers. It's been fun, but I've got to get going. Oh, come on. It's Saturday. Of church in the morning. Church? You? Didn't you take Wilson's Philosophy 101? <laughs> Seriously. How can you believe in God when all rational evidence suggests otherwise? It's a matter of faith. Faith is just another word for irrational. It's more than that. What do you think, Professor Hofstadter? Like it or not, we are all children of the Enlightenment, myself included. I'm a man of science, of reason, of logic. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the supernatural. God, Jesus, Muhammad, Shiva, witches, ghosts, goblins, dibbics, golems, gremlins, pixies, ogres, phantoms, and trolls. I don't believe any of it. See? Of course, that doesn't mean there aren't times or events where things don't completely fit my scientific worldview. I'll give you an example. About ten years ago, around the time of Marcus Garvey's mail fraud trial, a man walked into my office... Hello there. The door was open, so I came in. Of course, of course. Have a seat. You must be Jameson. Yes, you can call me Fred. Fred. How can I help you? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure you can. I'm really not sure who to turn to. I've thought about everything from a brain surgeon to a witch doctor. I figured a psychiatrist would be the best place to start. Go on. 
Am I right in understanding that you cannot divulge anything I say to law enforcement? Well, if you tell me anything that indicates someone is or could be in danger, I would be obligated to share that with the authorities. But not for past crimes? Things that have already happened? No. I don't even know if crimes is the right word for it. The only person in any danger now is me. I have to say, my curiosity's peaked. I guess I'll start from, well, wherever I start from. Not that you'll believe me. I'm engaged to be married, you see. Or at least I was. Ah, yes. Many of life's problems go back to the one simple emotion of love. About a week before the wedding was to happen, one of my fiancé's old friends arrived from a trip to Ghana and Nigeria. Fred! Fred, darling, this is my friend Philip, the one I told you about. How do you do? Say, pleasure to meet you. It's been years since we've seen each other. Philip just got back from the most wonderful trip. I'm sure he has all sorts of stories about meeting voodoo priestesses and witch doctors and all kinds of fascinating things. We all know voodoo isn't real, Mary. Oh, of course, but it's such fun. He also brought me this. A necklace, how wonderful. And what's this? A pendant with a crimson rose. Isn't it, darling? It looks fantastic. Should I be jealous? Not at all, not at all. <coughs> oh, excuse me. That'll be my mother. You two keep talking. Why, I've known Mary for a long time. I gather. Did you ever meet Francis? Francis? Oh, her old boyfriend. They were more than that. They were engaged to be married. Didn't she tell you? He died when he fell off a bridge. They never found his body. That's awful. You remind me of him. You both have similar... personalities, shall we say? Your names start with an F. Hopefully you'll find that's where the similarities end. I don't understand what you're saying. Are you threatening me? Take care, Mr. Jameson. I'd hate for anything to happen to you. That night I had trouble sleeping. A sound, perhaps a tree branch on a window, startled me. I woke up and looked out the window. There, to my shock, was Mary walking out into the woods behind her parents' estate. I opened the window and called to her, but she didn't hear me. I grabbed a lantern and followed her. She walked slowly, strangely, like a pale ghost in the moonlight. It was easy to catch up to her. I called her name repeatedly, and still she never answered. It was only when I shook her arm that she seemed to recognize my presence. Mary! Oh! Oh, Fred, you startled me. What are you doing out here? I honestly don't know. I must have been sleepwalking. Let's get you back inside. Mary, what's that? This? It's the pendant with the crimson rose. I don't remember putting it on. I didn't think much of it the first night, but the second night, nearly the exact same thing happened. Mary! Oh, God. Was I sleepwalking again? Yes, yes, you were. I don't know what's come over me. I've never sleepwalked before. Is it the wedding? Are you not sure about us? I've never been more certain of anything in my life. It's not the wedding at all. I love you, and marrying you is going to make me the happiest woman alive. You're wearing it again, the pendant with the crimson rose. I swear. I put it in the drawer last night. I didn't take it out again. I swear. Of course, honey. You really shouldn't be jealous of Philip, dear. He's harmless. The other day, I thought he threatened me. I'm sure it was just a misunderstanding. He implied that I might end up like Francis. Why, that's absolute nonsense. I'll have a talk with him tomorrow. And there's nothing to worry about, honey. Francis was a long time ago. Has Philip ever shown any signs of romantic interest in you? Has he ever seemed like he wanted to, say, court you? No, not at all. He was old chums with Francis until... Well, until Francis and I started seeing each other. Then Philip became extremely cold. But I'm not sure that's... that's nothing. I mean, if he had been interested in me, why would he have gone to Africa for so long? 
next night, I decided to stay awake and stare at my bedroom window waiting for her. When she started to walk out, I grabbed my pistol and followed her, but I didn't wake her from a trance. She moved through the woods the same, a phantom shimmer gliding to her destination. I wanted to find out where she was going. I followed her for what seemed like an eternity. It must have been over an hour. She moved through the woods intentionally, and yet almost mindlessly. I was contemplating waking her up when she suddenly stopped at the edge of a clearing. She got down on her hands and knees and began digging. I immediately imagined the worst. She was digging her own grave. And then in the darkness of the wood, a figure began to emerge. It was Philip. You thought you could get away from me, Mary. You were wrong. A little bit of voodoo I learned from my travels in Africa and a certain necklace was all I needed. You there, stop! You? What are you doing out here? I've been following her. I know what you're up to. Stop it or I'll shoot. Is that a pistol? Stop her from doing this or I'll shoot. You don't understand. Ah! Fool, look out! There's nothing you can do now. Mary, I'm here. It's okay. What? What happened? He tried to kill you. Fred, Jameson, look. Look at what? I didn't murder Francis. She did! She killed him and hid his body. I was trying to find him. Look! I looked. Sticking out of the hole where she had been digging was a bony hand covered in rotted flesh and maggots. She killed him. She... Uh... I have no idea what he's talking about. He's crazy. He's crazy, I'm telling you! Mary. Why are you looking at me that way? Fred! Fred, don't come any closer! Fred, what are you? I... I don't know what came over me. I suddenly found my hands around her neck, squeezing. After it was finished, I buried them, then left a note at the estate saying the three of us had left in the middle of the night. I don't know how long it took them to realize what happened, but I imagine the police were already searching for me. I don't have much time. I guess I don't mind if they give me the chair. After all, I did murder her, but... I want to know if I'm crazy. I believe this happened. I believe that I saw what could only be described as some kind of mystical event. This man made this woman do his bidding using some supernatural power. How can that just happen? How can that be? What do you think, Doctor? Am I just insane? Now, students, what do I do with that? There's no scientific backing in the world that could possibly account for this man's story. By his own account, he's a murderer. But, if he's telling the truth about having strangled his own bride, then why lie about the rest? I looked into his eyes, and I can tell you, he believed what he said. Now, of course, that doesn't mean it happened. But what if? All the scientific knowledge in the world is nothing in the face of that one question. Now, I'm sorry to have kept you, and it's getting late even for me, I think it's time we called it a night. But one more quick lesson from our little story here that I'd like to leave you with. Don't ever get engaged. You never know what evils will result. Good night. by Robert Malin.
It wasn't like my partner at all. Naya was a First Order custodian and had never missed a rendezvous Earthside. All attempts to reach her had failed, but I wasn't going to panic yet. No emergency beacons had been activated, all her dead drops along the way had been empty, and thank Kane, there were no reports in the local media about any crimes or accidents. In fact, this area was so devoid of everything, including people and crime, I had trouble imagining that anything bad could happen out here. But then, I wondered if the custodians in Birmingham had thought the same thing that day. Do you want some more coffee? I was broken out of the loop of worrying thoughts by a waitress with a coffee pot. No, I'm fine, thank you. Still waiting for your friend? Still waiting for my friend, thank you. I didn't stick out too much in this 24-hour truck stop restaurant from the small group of Nighthawks in here, but all the same, I didn't exactly pass for a local, either. A couple of regulars were eating a late meal at the counter, there was a waitress, at least one heavy-set cook in the back I'd spotted when I'd entered, and a blonde woman and her approximately 10-year-old son in one of the far booths. All in all, probably a slow night even by this place's standards. But that just made Naya's absence all the more strange. I'd kill for a communications implant link right now, but no Guardian-level tech is allowed Earthside. Field agent custodians have to make do with whatever the equivalent local tech level is. It had been that way my entire life in the service, and something I learned while on assignment was that my fellow custodians and myself were way too dependent on advanced tech. I stared down at my impossibly primitive smartphone and checked the time. Naya was now 30 minutes late. Sudden sadness hit me like a wave. It knocked out my breath and I dropped the phone on the seat bench next to me. I tried to react. I should have reacted to the commotion around me, but my muscles felt paralyzed. And despite my rigorous training, I couldn't move. The only thing I knew was something terrible was happening. Every part of me could feel it. The blonde woman on the other side of the restaurant with her small child began sobbing. Then she raised the butter knife from her table to her throat. I'm coming, Mom! I'm coming home! No, I whispered. It was somehow all I could manage. And then she cut her own throat open with a dull butter knife while I sat hopelessly a few rows over and did nothing. A single tear ran down my cheek while inside myself I screamed with rage and confusion. That was when a man walked up to the booth from behind me. My muscles tensed and tried to respond to an unknown getting so close to me without noticing. But it was like my strength and reactions tried to respond, hit an invisible barrier and fell away like the phone had fallen from my hand. The figure, a man, early thirties, plain clothes, dark jacket, gray sweater, unremarkable face with brown eyes and hair, casually sat in the other booth across from me. And here you are. Here's how this works tomorrow. I need your access code to the drive you're keeping at Dead Drop 2. And I need it before... before whatever your people's version of the cavalry figures out I was here. I... D don't... Come on, Tamara. Nia told me everything I wanted to know, and then some. Dead Drop 2 is the abandoned farmstead with the drive hidden behind the old water tank. I have Nia's password. Now I just need yours to get at her research files. Then your suffering can end. I don't like doing this to people, you know. I'm not a bad guy. I just need answers. Where is Naya? You don't have to worry. She's not suffering anymore. Son of a... Oh, come on. As smart as Nia was, I expected more from you. I thought you were more highly evolved space people or aliens or whatever you think you are. Other than knowing things you couldn't possibly know. You seem pretty human to me. God damn it, she doesn't know you can't kill yourself that way. 
Will you excuse me for a moment? He walked over behind the counter and took a steak knife from one of the tables, handed it to the waitress who, from the floor, desperately reached for it like someone dying of thirst trying to reach water. The man casually walked back to my booth and sat down. Look, we don't have a lot of time. I need access to Nia's research. It's the only way to stop all of this, all the death and suffering, to get my life back. You're only alive because I'm holding it back as hard as I can, but I can't keep this up. I spoke in stilted words, everyone taking a terrible effort to push out. How much do you- No, goddammit. I don't have time. Nia's work on morphogenic fields. I need the password. My mind was slammed with images. People dying, plants decomposing, my own death. Somewhere cold, dark, alone. It was some kind of psychic attack. I had undergone mental conditioning to resist it in my steward training, but it was nothing like this. I could smell death, feel it on my skin. I could taste despair. Abstract concepts were becoming visceral, tactile. Things I could see, feel, interact with. My body back in the diner felt like a pinhole of light at the end of a long and distant darkened hallway. And suddenly I was thrown back into my body. I gasped for air as I had apparently thrown up on myself without realizing it. The man was wiping it away from my mouth with a napkin. I tried to use my inner anger at all of this to push off and get, regain control of my body, but my arms would not move. All I managed to do was gently bite my tongue. I'm sure by now you've figured out this doesn't end well for you, but I need you to listen to me. We can prevent this from ever happening again, but I need the information. Innocent people, Tamara. Innocent people are going to die like this if you don't help me. The man sat back in his booth seat and closed his eyes. I could hear him counting off the seconds, timing his breaths. He was trying to... to calm himself. And as he did, the heaviness of the room that had been crushing me since he arrived eased up ever so slightly. I couldn't move much, but I could clench the muscles of my arms, and I felt like I could at least talk now. Who are you? Why are you doing this? No time. I can't keep this up. Give me the password. How did you know about Naya and her research? Her thing that was detecting morphic psychic fields. She might as well have been shooting flares in the air for someone like me. All her equipment dissolved after she died. It's pretty crazy. Are you guys aliens or some shit? Sure, something like that. Nia was a lot nicer than you. A lot more talkative. She was a better person than me with a big heart. Saw the good in everyone type. Not that it stopped you from killing her, apparently. I don't set out to hurt anyone. I just need this fixed. The password, now. You're not in a position to negotiate. You've said it yourself, this doesn't end either way. And by the way you're acting, you're running out of time. I don't think you understand the power dynamic here. He opened his eyes, and then I wasn't in the diner anymore. I was in an endless darkness all around me. Alone. No. Not alone. Um... Deja, what are you doing here? Um... Where are we? I'm so scared. Deja, it's going to be okay. I looked around, but I couldn't see her anywhere. Mom, I'm scared. It's so dark here. Then I saw her. A light from somewhere was shining down on her. She was standing with her back toward me, and I ran to her. I'm here! 
I grabbed her shoulders and turned her around to embrace her, but something was wrong. The skin on her face was pulled tight and so dry it was cracking. Where her eyes and mouth should have been were swarms of wriggling maggots. They poured out of her mouth as she spoke again. We all die alone, Mom. Even me. Damn you, you son of a bitch! I'll fucking kill you! I was back in the diner. They don't get better. I'm sorry for whatever you saw, but believe me, they only get much worse. The password, please. His eyes were closed again. With every ounce of rage and disgust I had left, I thrust my hand into my coat pocket, diving straight for the handle of the 38 snub-nosed revolver I kept there. Pretty crude and terrible Earthside tech, but I had to stop him. It, whatever he was. One more time. I need the password. The password is North Woods for all the good it's going to do, you asshole. I aimed at the monster's face, his eyes still closed. Tamara's lifeless body slumped forward and the revolver fell from her temple, out of her hands, and onto the floor. As David left the diner, a thunderstorm drifted over the plains, and as the rain came down, a pleasant childhood memory came to him. A bit of nostalgia that had been alien to him for so long. For the first time in years, he had hope. with the Crimson Rose. Directed by Robert Mayling. Written by Kai Rogers. Editing by Robert Mayling. Music director, Malia Lekumsky. The voice of Hofsetter was Luke Johnson. The voice of Jameson was Adam Wells. The voice of Mary was Emily Wilson. The voice of Philip was Jake Cox. The voice of Student 1 was Robert Mayling. The voice of Student 2 was Matthew Livingston. Languish. Directed by Robert Mayling. Written by Robert Mayling. Music director, Malia Lekumsky. Editing by Robert Mayling. The voice of David was Jake Cox. The voice of Tamara was Megan Holzmer. The voice of the narrator was Tiffany Clanton. The voice of Deja was Emily Wilson. The voice of the blonde woman was Tamara Huffman. The voice of the waitress was Leah Simmons. This podcast is made with love by Edge Case Podcast crew, who thank you for listening. Special thanks to Ari Show, Dominic Weinecke, Amanda Mayling, Deborah Mayling, Joanna Keen, and Peter Pischke. If you would like to learn more about Edge Case Podcast, and how you can support the dedication and hard work of our cast and crew, visit patreon.com slash edgecased. This audio production is copyright 2019 by Edgecase Podcast, all rights reserved. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Edgecase Podcast.